So we are starting the book of Romans today, and it's perfect. If you if you grabbed one of the Bibles on the way in, it's page 936, or we're going to have the words up here, so don't don't panic uh, if you can't get there in time to the different uh, passages. But there's a huge connection. It was perfect. We just finished the book of Acts. We're doing the book of Romans. Perfect timing. I, I mapped that out. But anyway, uh, it's because the resurrection is, it starts off in Romans. And the title for today is Our Calling in Christ. Our Calling in Christ. If you're not a Christian yet, you're just kind of checking things out and you're, you're on a faith journey, which we all are. Uh, but if you're not a Christian yet, the title for you today is Do You Hear Christ Calling? Do you hear Christ's calling? But if you've already put your faith in Christ, it's our calling in Christ. So got something for everybody here. Romans 1, 1 through 7. So when I was in seminary many, many years ago, oh, how many, 35, whatever it was, years ago, I remember I, I just loved the book of Romans. And I, I'm in seminary, and, and I'm like, I, you know, I'm going to memorize that book. You know, I'm going to memorize the book of Romans. So I started memorizing it. It's not a good time to memorize big chunks of the Bible when you're in seminary because they give you a thousand books you know, to read and all kinds of stuff to study. But I was really into it. I loved it. And I, I got up to chapter 8 of Romans and I hit the law. I'm like, that's it. When I got out of seminary, maybe I'll go back to it. But I, can't, I just couldn't re- keep retaining it, you know, and hanging on to it. So, but it, but it was great. But I, I did those first eight, eight chapters. And then my senior year, we, we, I had to take advanced Greek class. And I was okay at Greek, not great, uh, but just okay. But advanced Greek scared me, you know, and, and I was terrified of this because I was hitting the wall in seminary too. I was, we were, Kim and I were married and I was working full time. I was a security guard, which means I, out of eight hours of working, I could study seven. That was where I did all my studying security guard. All right. And I was also a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor. And, uh, so I was busy, you know, Kim and I were very busy with the youth ministry, uh, especially on the weekends crazy, crazy. I'm like, I can't handle it. That's Greek. You know, I was terrified. And I remember going to the class, the first class, and the professor said, okay, I'm just going to let you know right up front. You're going to have to know your Greek because this is what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to, for your, your whole grade, is going to be based on this, a final exam. I'm going to have you sit down in front of me, and I'm going to hand you the Greek Bible, and you're going to, you're going to have to, I'm going to hand you the book of Romans. And somewhere in the first six chapters of Romans, you're going to have to translate that for me. I'm like, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Oh, I just relaxed. I relaxed. I remember going to the exam, and, and you know, I, I kind of paid attention you know, to the class, but I didn't really need to. You know, I knew every, you know, every word there. You know, I could p- piece it together now. And, uh, and so I remember, he's, I remember doing the exam, and he's like, it sounds like you're just reading an English Bible. You know? <laughs> I think he got somebody told on me, you know, telling me I only got a B, even though I did it perfect translation. He gave me a B, right? But uh, but it was it was great. But you know what the real blessing was? Not that I got a B without really trying uh, in advanced Greek, but the real blessing was to my life and to my ministry. Having the book of Romans in my life and in my ministry, and then that sparked from there. I kept memorizing verses. Like a, one or two a week. That's all it took. And I ended up with thousands. I mean, now I've got thousands. I don't, I had thousands. I probably can retain about half of them now. But, uh, if you give me the first couple words, I usually can go with it. But, but it, it, I want to encourage everybody to memorize one verse a week. Just one. Memorize it and, and meditate on it and live it and, and keep retaining, reviewing it. And I guarantee if you do the one verse a week, it will change your life. And after the end of the year, you're going to have 
50 verses. And that's awesome. And then 10 years from now, you'll have 500 verses. And it, 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 it just takes that little bit of memory. There's nothing like Bible memory and, and trying to live it and meditate on it. It's just powerful. Your life will never be the same if you do that. I promise you. The, God's word is power, powerful. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It, it's powerful. Take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And it's just powerful. And I believe that after we go through Romans, your life will never be the same either because it's a powerful book. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the worship. We thank you for every person who's here. We know no one is here by accident, that your Holy Spirit wants to do something in our life, whether it's salvation, whether it's sanctification, whatever your, whatever your goal, to move us forward in another step of faith in our life. I pray that you would accomplish that through your mercy and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's, uh, let's read it, and I can use my Bible now because we're, we're using the same uh, version here. Okay, here we go. Romans 1. I could do it without this, but I might look down once in a while. All right, all right. So, all right. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his human nature was his descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him and for his name's sake we receive grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience which comes from faith. And you also are among those who are called to belong to Christ Jesus, to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Whoa, there's a lot here. There's a lot here. Uh, I gave an assignment. Those are on the email. If you don't get the email updates, let me know. Send me an email, and I'll get you on. But I gave the assignment, and we found how many words called in there. There's many callings in there, but actually, literally, with the word called, how many do we find? Brenda, where are you? Where are you? Four, all right, four. We had four? All right, so I got one right answer. Right? You, she got the only A in the class, right? So <clears throat> four callings here. We're, we're our calling in Christ, four specific callings. The word, first one is in verse 6. In verse 6, it, he says, And you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. You are also among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. This is the call to salvation. The first one I want to look at is we're called to salvation. If, if, you, if you put your faith in Jesus, salvation means biblically, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you say, I believe Jesus, you died on the cross for my sin so that I could have a relationship with, with God as my father, and I b- believe in his death for me, and I believe he rose again to give me a brand new life. I put my faith in him. We, will get, a, we get a brand new life. At the moment we pray that prayer in our heart, verbally, whatever we do, it, we, we get a brand new life that starts that very second and goes throughout all of eternity forever. We aren't just saved to go to heaven someday, which is awesome. Don't get me wrong. It's great not to have to worry about death, right? It's awesome. But we're saved to start living a life here. To live a real life here, a powerful life here and now, to fulfill our purpose now. And so, so that's salvation. Is when we put our faith in Jesus and we put our faith in his death and resurrection, we give our life to him. Now, we are called here, it says, to salvation. I spent a whole sermon on this back in Acts 13. Remember that? Uh, 
two years ago, whatever it was. Yeah, Acts 13, remember? Uh, we talked about predestination and election, how God calls us. And somehow, I talked about this, somehow in the Bible, God's sovereignty and human responsibility are taught side by side. Somehow. It's a great mystery, but, but it's, it's taught. We must put our faith in Jesus Christ. We're called to do that, but we can't do it until God calls us. We can't do it. And not only does he call us, he pulls us. He pulls us. If you're a Christian today, then at some point in your life, you experience God's irresistible grace. Irresistible grace pulling us. And, and uh, when, when, this happens, when that happens, when we put our faith in Jesus, God pulls us, we put our faith in Jesus. When that happens, we are born again. We are spiritually born. The word born again means born from above or spiritually born. Just as we're born physically, we are born spiritually, born again. That's what happens. And, and it, it, God has called us. God has called us. God has pulled us. When I grew up, most of you know I grew up on a farm. And when a cow got ready to have their baby, domesticated cows aren't like the wild cows. They could just have their baby out in the field, right? Domesticated cows give a lot of milk, but you got to help them have their calves usually. And so we would, as soon as they start to give birth, we would, you know, see the feet start to protrude. We'd grab those feet. We'd tie twine around them and ropes and, and start to pull gently, pull gently, and then harder and harder. And finally the cows push and we're pulling. And we, we would pull that calf out. And when we started that process, the cow's pushing and we're pulling, there was no stopping it. The mom is pushing, we're pulling, and, 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 and that calf was going to come out. And the same thing happens biblically to each one of us when we become a Christian. The Holy Spirit is pulling us, drawing us. Maybe the Holy Spirit is calling you right now. Maybe you've been feeling God's call. You've been convicted in ways that you never thought you were convicted before. Maybe you've been feeling his pull. And, and I promise you, if God has started to pull you, you are going to be miserable until you're born. Again, you will be miserable until you give your life to Jesus Christ. You will have no peace. You will have no joy. You will have no purpose. Oh, you grasp, we grasp the things, don't we? We all, know, I, we all know what I'm talking about. We grasp and grasp, but it's empty. Because it's, once God calls, we will be miserable until we answer that call. And I'm going to say this. Easter Sunday is a great Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, a great time to put your faith in Jesus Christ. You always remember when it happened, right? Resurrection Sunday, the best time to give your life to him or to rededicate our lives, because many times we fall, you know, backslide to the, you know, the old term. We we slip. We we get cold faith. <clears throat> it's a great time to rededicate our life. Is Resurrection Sunday? So we're called to be saved, and not just to salvation, but also we're also called to be saved. But verse seven, look what it says here: to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Called to be saints. We're not just called to salvation. We're also called to be saints. The Greek word for, I see it pays off a little bit here. Uh, the Greek word for saint is hagias in Greek. It's the word hagias. It means to set apart, to be made holy. That's what the word means. But in fact, now get this, the word holiness and saint come from the same Greek word. The same word. 
When you see saint, when you see holiness, it's the same Greek root, hagias. It's the same thing. Now, uh, but we are called to be saints. Some of you come from a tradition where only a select few become saints, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. You go from that tradition. But God's word teaches that everyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ is a saint. You don't earn it. You receive it, and every Christian is a saint in God's sight. And you can then pray directly to God as your father. Once you put your faith in Jesus, you've been adopted by him. You can go to him directly. You don't have to pray to a saint. You can go right to God as your father. That's the only person we pray to is our father through his son, Jesus Christ. So we are called to be saints. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you became a saint. Did you know that? You, you became a saint. Positionally, <laughs> doesn't mean you're perfect. You know, oh, I'm such a saint. No, yeah, that, that's, I wish that was true. We're positionally a saint, but practically, we're not quite there yet, are we? Uh, it doesn't mean that we're going to be a perfect saint yet, unless you're the pastor, obviously. But anyway, <clears throat> why? That wasn't a joke. Evan, that was not a joke. All right. <clears throat> Anywho, uh, what does being a saint involve then? The calling number three spells out what it means to be a saint. And verse five is the calling number three. We already saw two callings. The third one is in verse five. Through him and for his name's sake, we receive grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience which comes from faith. The obedience, we are called to obedience that comes from faith here. He's talking about here now sanctification. We saw salvation, but now we're getting to sanctification. First uh, Corinthians 1, 2 says this. <clears throat> in First Corinthians 1, 2, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy uh, called to be, I don't think the whole, his is supposed to be there, and called to be holy together with all those everywhere who call on the name of, the, of the, our Lord Jesus Christ. So back it up to the beginning of that again. Uh, to, uh, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy. Called to be holy. The sanctification, we already saw what saint and holiness comes from, but guess what? Sanctification comes from the same exact root as holiness and, and uh, a saint, it means to be, once again, it means to be set apart, to make holy. Now, sanctification happens, there's two levels to it. Sanctification happens at salvation. It's our position. We have been set apart as saints. We have been sanctified, set apart as holy in God's sight. That's our position. When we're saved by faith, it happens immediately. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes on, in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have been sanctified. You have been set apart. But the Bible also teaches another layer of sanctification, not the position that we have in Christ, but also there's a practical level of sanctification, a progressive sanctification. It's, it's a lifelong process. And uh, when does it end? When you stop breathing. When you're in heaven, that's what it ends, all right? It, it's, it's, it's our whole life is a lifelong progressive sanctification because we're not about perfection. We're about 
progress, right? That's, a, that's what we're about, all right? And this happens, the progressive sanctification that we're already set apart, but we become holy, we start to live holy, we start to live like we've been called to be, that happens as we live by faith. Just as we're saved by faith, right? We also have to live by faith, to live by faith. Galatians 2.20 says this. It says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer, no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. We're saved by faith, not by, by our good works, right? We're saved by faith, yet we also have to live by faith, not by our own human effort, which we always fall back into, right? Not by human effort. We just depend on Jesus. Jesus you saved me. Now I need you to sanctify me. I need your mercy and grace. I need your help here. I need your forgiveness and help every day. That, that's living by faith. And it's a lifelong battle. We are called to the obedience that comes from faith. Many people, and look what it, the, the, the true faith results in true obedience. The obedience that comes from faith. Many in the USA today think, well, it doesn't matter how I live. If I put my faith in Jesus, I can do whatever I want. They think of Christianity as a buffet. A buffet. Anybody like buffets? I love buffets. I <clears throat> took the kids to the buffet this week. <clears throat> and the thing about buffet is, you can say, I want that, but I don't want that. You know, Laurel just eats Jello, different color Jello. That's all she ate. Why do we pay eight dollars? I don't know, but she got five pieces of Jello and ice cream. But anyway, uh, but but each of the kids, some of the kids take food, and this makes me nuts because I say we aren't going to waste any food at the buffet, right? They take something and they, Dad, I don't like it. I took it, but I just don't like it. Well, can't you eat it? No, I'm not going to eat it. I'm like. Give it to me, and I have to eat it because I feel bad, you know. There's food, and, and so, you know, I'm eating that stuff, you know. And, 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 but that's a buffet. You don't like it, you don't eat it, you know. But, but biblically, that is, the Christianity is not a buffet. God's word is very clear. Once you put your faith in Jesus, you have to believe all of it and live all of it. And real faith results in obedience. Jesus said in John 14, 15, he says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. If you love me, you will obey what I command. It doesn't mean we won't struggle. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, we better, but we better struggle, right? Doesn't mean we won't struggle, but we better struggle. We better fight. We can't just like, you know, as we read the Bible. And as we hear God's word being taught and preached, the Holy Spirit convicts us and, and, and say, God, oh, ooh, there's another area of my life. God, I need your mercy, forgiveness. I need your grace. I need your strength to, to deal with this. I need, a, I need, I need that. It's, help me to change, God. Help me to change the way I think. Because I don't think the way you think, God. I, I got, want my own attitudes, you know. I got my own buffet inclinations, right? No, no, no. It cha- I got to change the way I think and the way that I live to go along. Because if I love you, Jesus, I'm going to obey what you command. And so we're called to salvation. We're called to be saints. We're called to be sanctified. And we also have a call on our life. Everyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ is given a purpose. You're given spiritual gifts. That's a whole note that we're going to hit that later in Romans. We're given a purpose in our life. Uh, in Romans 1.1, 1, 1, Paul, look at what Paul's was. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. 
Paul, a servant of Christ, he is called to be an apostle. Paul knew he was called to be an apostle. The word apostle means sent, right? Sent out ones, the sent out ones. Uh, that's what it was. Jesus picked 12 you know, special apostles. He picked 12. We're all called to be an apostle. We're going to talk about that as we go through Romans. Next week we're going to talk about it when we talk about the gospel in the next few verses here. But, but we're, Paul was called, to be, was called to be an apostle. Jesus picked 12 of them. Judas was disqualified. And so Paul was the 12th one that Jesus picked when he appeared to him on the road uh, and blinded him. He, uh, the road to Damascus, he was picked as an apostle to the Gentiles. There's the Jews and there's the Gentiles, both God's chosen people, the Jews, brought the salvation message to the Gentiles. Most of us are Gentiles. Uh, Jesus' apostles were a select group who spent time with him, who were given miraculous powers. They had a special anointing. We are not the 12, but we are all called to be sent out. We're all called to go out, and that's, I'm not going to give you away next, next sermon. That's next week, okay? But we're all called. And, but, but also, we're all given a, a special purpose in our life which includes sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's very important. As we go through the book of Romans, I hope you find what is your purpose. How has God called you to fulfill a specific, powerful purpose in your family, in your neighborhood, in your school, in your college, in your, you know, wherever God has you. God has given us a definite family in our, in our family, a definite purpose, but it always includes sharing the good news. Okay, so we're going to focus on all that next week. When we hit the gospel, it's going to be great. Oh, don't miss that one. But I, but I want to end here with a foundation of our calling, the foundation of our call, because we looked at the four calls. I want to look at the foundation of our call and of all of the book of Romans and all of our faith. The foundation is in Romans 1, 2 to 4, where he says the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. That is the, the foundation. There's, there's two foundations here. Two foundations. The gospel of Jesus Christ has two foundations there. The first one was prophetic word. See what it said about the prophecy? He proved he was the son of David. The son of David is a messianic term. A messianic term. Talking about the Messiah. He proved he was. How? Through the prophecies. Look what it says. Promised beforehand through the prophets and the holy scriptures. Regarding his son who has to his... uh, Human nature was the descendant of David. There were many prophecies. Do you know that the Bible is one-third prophecy? A third of the Bible is prophecy. And so when I hear people say, I don't like to talk about prophecy or hear about prophecy, you just throw out a third of the Bible. Yeah, that's pretty, I mean, it's huge. And there's a reason why. Because when God gives a prophecy, he's trying to prove something. He's trying to prove it's his word. He's trying to prove that Jesus was his son. And Jesus fulfilled hundreds of prophecies. His, his, His birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. The only ones that haven't been fulfilled yet are his second coming. That's that's the only thing left is the second coming. Lots of verses are going to be fulfilled very soon. We, we may see it. I believe we're going to see it. I believe it's, it's very soon. So many things are happening in the book of Daniel, in the book of Revelation. Uh, that's a whole other sermon. Anyway, uh, 
the prophecies that he fulfilled that they're mind-boggling. I say to people all the time, if you don't believe in Jesus, you don't believe he's really God's son, you don't really believe in the Bible, then that's a willful decision. You're choosing not to because the proof is unbelievable. The prophecies are staggering. Staggering. You have to not want to believe it. And that's okay. You have that choice. God gives us that choice, right? But, you know, you've got to live with the results. But, but they're, they're, you have, they're just unbelievable. That's the first foundation is the prophecies, which is a whole massive, you could spend 10 years on that. But the second thing, the second thing that proved he was the son of God, not just the prophecies, but he also proved, and who through the, verse 4, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection of the dead. The prophecies and then the foundation, really the whole foundation of what we're dealing with today and the foundation of Romans, the foundation of our faith is his resurrection. Easter, the resurrection, he was declared with power. The the Greek word for power there is dunami. Sound familiar? Dynamite, for those who are you know, old as I and remember the show, right? Uh, yeah, it's the, that's the power of the resurrection. It's dynamite. It, it's powerful. And that's, the, the resurrection is the foundation. That's what sets everything else, else apart. Uh, I, I remember a Christmas card I got one time years ago, and I've never forgotten it. It says, <clears throat> what's the difference between Christmas and Buddhamus, Confuciusmus, Mohammedmus? I'm like, what is the difference? I open it up. Easter. Easter. They're all dead. Only Jesus came back from the dead. Like he promised. Like he prophesied. Like he predicted. And he said, I'm going to do it to prove I died for your sin. I'm going to do it to prove that you can be forgiven. I'm going to do it to prove I'm the son of God. I'm doing it to prove that you can have life. Resurrection power that you can go that you know that you don't have to be afraid of death because you're going to go to heaven with me. That's the power of the resurrection and the difference between Christianity and everything else. That is the foundation of our faith. That is the foundation of our call. All of our callings is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's why we know we will be resurrected again after death. That's how we know. That's our only hope is because Jesus rose from the dead. That's that's what gives us hope for that. Uh, I saw an article this week. I don't know if you read it. It said uh, immortality is attainable by 2030. Google Google scientist. Big shock. All right. So uh, futurist Ray Kurzweil has predicted that humans will achieve immortality in just seven years. The 75-year-old computer scientist and former Google engineer who received the National Medal of Technology in 1999 and was inducted into the National Inventors Hall of Fame in 2002 made this shocking prediction. He also accurately prophesied, this is how they talk about him, technological achievements in the past, including the widespread use Use of laptops. He was the one who predicted that. Uh, inspiring a cult following among his future thinkers. Uh, Kurzweil made in 2005, this is when he actually gave this prediction, but now they're bringing it up because it's so close. Uh, Kurzweil made 
in 2005, in his book, he predicted that technology will allow humans to achieve everlasting life by 2030. Hang on, everybody. Seven more years. You're going to get there, right? All right. Uh, humans, humans will have created technology to fend off aging and illness with microscopic robots sent to repair our bodies on a cellular level. And indeed, medical engineers are currently fast at work on these disease-fighting bots. He also claimed that such nanotechnology will allow people to eat whatever they want while st staying thin and energized. Now you got my ear. Uh, now you got my ear. All right. Buffets, buffets, right? Yeah. All right, here's my prediction. Nope, not going to happen. <laughs> That's my prediction. It, it, it's not going to happen. But we can already live forever. We don't need bots, you know. We, we can live forever if we put our faith in Jesus Christ and his resurrection power. We're going to live forever, but not here. Who would want to, right? That's not anything to look forward to living on this planet. I want to be with Jesus in heaven, right? What, what, who wants to live here? It's like living in a garbage dump compared to heaven. And, and who would want to? Do you want real life now? Which goes on forever with God someday in heaven. You can have that right this second. You don't have to wait seven years. You don't have to get an injection of a bot. You, don't, you can have it right now through faith in Jesus Christ. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And the word believe in, in the Bible, the Greek, uh, uh, pistos, it, it's, not, it's not intellectual belief. It's a heart belief. It means to, it, I'll give you a word picture. It means to cling to, to hang on to. Think of a little baby when, when their parent picks them up and they're scared and they just grab their parent and they're hanging on for dear life, right? And, and that's the picture of this, that we cling to Jesus. We cling to Jesus. That's what it means to put our faith in Jesus Christ. And, and a lot of people have under, trouble understanding the, the faith part. And, and I remember one time I was uh, flying to India. I think some of you may have heard this story years ago. I was going on a mission trip about 30, 27. I was trying to remember how long. 27 years ago I was going on a mission trip to India with Gospel for Asia, a wonderful organization, mission organization. And I got on the plane and uh, – I remember we were flying from New York City to Frankfurt. That was the stopping point. And then from there, we were going to jump off and go all the way to, to India. And I remember I got, on, I got on the plane, and I sat down, and I ended up sitting next to this uh, couple, a German couple, older than me, but, but they're real, real nice. And, and uh, we started to talk, and, and, and I don't know much German. I knew Gesundheit, you know, and, and wie geht's sehr gut? Did I know that? Because yeah, somebody at a soccer game yelled that at me one time, and I didn't know what they were talking about. So, uh, so uh, how you doing? Good. So I didn't know much German, but they knew some English. And I was like, oh, my God, help me to witness these guys. Help me to, yeah, you know, I've got them on a plane for six, seven hours, whatever it was. And I said, I've I got to share the gospel, you know. And they were so nice, and I really wanted to, to share about Jesus. And, and interestingly, as we talked, I could communicate with them. Kim will tell you I can communicate with anybody. Uh, you know, I end up 
going to different countries and making best friends, and neither one of us knew what we were saying. But, you know, again, I, I just love people. I connect with them. And, and so we get talking, and they had, it turns out they had friends who were Christians, had been witnessing to them. So they knew some things, and they, they knew the basics. And I, so I said uh, they understood Jesus was the Son of God. They already had that. They believed it. They had a religious background, too. They also believed Jesus died on the cross for their sins. We got, we got to that part. We, you know, he died for my sins so that I could be forgiven. They got that. They believed in the resurrection. They believed in it. They knew Jesus rose from the dead. It's a historical fact. You, know, you, gotta, you, you can't deny it. You cannot like it, but you can't deny it. It's a historical fact. And, uh, and so they, they got that. But then when I got to the faith part, I just couldn't convey i just couldn't get through them they didn't understand it. they they came from a different religious background they didn't understand faith really there was a lot of works involved and and uh, earning it and i was just trying to explain faith and i just could i'm like oh no god i got him this far and i can't explain the most the ending the happy you know the exciting ending and i was like god please somehow help me to explain this in my limited german you know I mean, help me explain this and I opened my eyes, and right in, I was like right there. We were right, right near, you know, right near where one of the walls were. And you know, on international flights, I don't know if they have the same one, but they, they had a big screen there, and they showed where the plane was over the ocean. And I was like, you know, here was New York, here was Frankfurt, and we were about halfway across the ocean, halfway there. And I was like, I said, can you get from New York City to Frankfurt, can you get there? Can you jump there? Jump? Jump? No. No? Why? Too far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too far. Too far. Right, right? I got, yeah, right, right. Too far. I go, so how do you get there? The plane. Yeah, the plane. That's right. The plane. The plane. That's right. The plane. All right? And so I get, you got to get on the plane, right? Oh, yeah. I got to get on the plane. I go, okay, can you get from Earth? To heaven by jumping. Can you get there anyhow? Can you get from earth to heaven? No plane. No, no, there's no plane. No plane. No, no plane. No plane. I go, how do you get to heaven? Jesus. I said, you have to get on Jesus. Oh, Jesus, the plane. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. I go, yeah, that's good. You, know, you, you get on the plane, Jesus. You get on, and Jesus is our plane. You have to get on Jesus' plane to get to heaven. And the lights went on. I, I don't know where it went from there because we kind of hit the wall language-wise, but I'm sure they went back to their friends, and they may have even put their faith in Jesus right then. I'm not quite sure. But, but they got it. There's only one way to get from Frankfurt, New York City to Frankfurt. You've got to get on that plane. There's only one way to get to heaven. We cannot jump. We can't do it on our own. We have to get on a plane, but there's only one plane that will get us there. It's Jesus. We have to put our faith in Jesus. That's what we have to do. Have you ever got on that plane? Have you ever said, God, I'm ready to leave my sin, my old life, my, my, the, the old man, the old woman behind. I'm going to leave it behind. I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I'm getting on that plane called Jesus Christ to bring me to you. Have you ever taken that step of faith? And there's also something with sanctification here. 
There's a lesson on sanctification, too. When we get on that plane, we have no more control. We are giving up control. Where do we go? Wherever the plane goes. Wherever the pilot takes us. Now, we could try to hijack it. Anybody here ever, ever try to hijack things with God? You know? Or you ever try to bail out, parachute out? You know, we try, but there's no parachute on that plane, right? Uh, or we, we, we actually, you, you ever see people in the aisle of a plane walking back and forth, up and down the plane, like, like it's going to make it go faster or something, you know? And we do the same thing. Try to, you know, get God going or get him to go a different direction by, you know, pacing in, in his plane. But we're still going where he wants. And, and we must realize that, that God has saved us and sanctified us. We're on his plane, and we have to surrender to his daily sanctification. It's daily surrender. Daily. How is God calling you this Easter as we go to prayer now? How is God calling you this this Resurrection Sunday? Do you hear God's boarding call? Remember at the airport, you're there, and you hear your call. You You hear the call, get on the plane. Are you hearing the Holy Spirit calling you? And I'm going to tell you this. You will have no peace until you put your faith in Jesus Christ and follow him. Once he starts to call, once he starts to pull, you will have no peace until you respond to that call. And as Christians, Christians, are we listening to our, we've answered that call, but are we listening to our pirates, pilot's direction? No pirates, no pirates. I just watched a pirate special. But anyway, pilot's direction. Are we listening? And and what does the pilot say? Sit down and put on your (laughs) seatbelt. Sit down and put on your seatbelt. Here we go. It's going to be rough. We're going to have an adventure. We're on an adventure of faith. But but we we constantly have to be told by God, sit down and put on the seatbelt. You're going to go where I take you. This is my calling, my adventure. Let's pray. How is God speaking to us? How is his Holy Spirit pulling us this morning? Maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, but you're being called. You're being convicted. And today is the day of salvation. You know it. It's time to leave the garbage behind, the shame, the torment. shallow happiness the lies the sin and strongholds it's time to get on the plane a simple prayer of faith in your heart Jesus, forgive me. I repent. I don't want to.
want the garbage anymore. I don't want the sin anymore. I don't want the lies anymore. Satan's lies, the world's lies. I don't want them anymore. I repent. Please forgive me. I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I'm getting on that plane. I'm giving you my life, Jesus. And while you're praying about that, those who've already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? sanctification about surrender about coming back to Jesus maybe we've been cold and fallen away and God seems so far but we know he didn't move we did he's just waiting waiting for us to come back into a close relationship with him. Waiting with his mercy and grace. Father, I pray that every one of us, because of this Resurrection Sunday, would know our salvation, would know our sanctification, would know your purpose for our life, We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have put your faith in Christ, uh, I want to encourage you to tell somebody. Maybe you have a family member or a friend here. Tell somebody. Let someone know. And if you need to tell someone, tell me. If you don't have anybody to tell, tell me. There's a card, stick a card in the box or email me or text me. Let let somebody know because we're going to be excited for you and help you grow in your new faith.